Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. COVID has been so devastating. And to see 38,000 people at Fenway Park, it was really emotional and rewarding. On the business side, from ticket sales to jersey sales, revenues were up. Everything was really good. It was a really solid year. I realized that at the beginning of 2019, it would be a very unique opportunity in terms of a lot of contracts being up at the same time and a lot of exciting young wrestlers being available to go out and start a wrestling company. The country is finally deeply getting the memo about how amazing this sport is. I think the sky's the limit for MLS. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. Coming up today, we head to the Garden State and talk all things hockey Yay. with New Jersey Devils President Jake Reynolds. You know that's Scarlett's favorite. We'll get the inside take on the business decisions from the front office and the impact broadcast deals with ESPN and Turner Sports. And it can have on players like Jack Hughes, the 2019 first overall draft pick, who recently signed an eight-year contract extension with the Devils. I talk about just the power and the reach of the ESPN effect. He was on every Sports Center highlight, every top ten and that put him on the map as an emerging star, and that is the power of ESPN. More of that conversation straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports, but first let's look at some of the top stories of the week. Let's begin with the story right now that is transforming from news to sports and sports to news, and it involves the Beijing Winter Olympics. China has issued their warning to the Western nations that are holding a diplomatic boycott let me put it this way. This is a diplomatic story. And the problem it puts on the athletes now, Scar, is that, well, what do they do? The U.S. is not going. Canada says they're not sending diplomats, uh, all, also along with the U.K. So now what pressure does this put on the athletes? Well, for one thing, any athlete who might think about sharing their views on I don't know, say Hong Kong, Tibet, Taiwan, during the Olympics, during the ceremony, opening ceremony, during the closing ceremony, is going to think twice, perhaps. And Beijing will be ready to kind of uh, freeze them out if if there is any kind of outspoken proselytizing. Is that the right word? That's what Beijing would probably say. But any kind of opining on China's treatment of people inside its borders. And of course, a big issue is what is within China's borders. And that, that could be you know a history class in and of itself. And see, something else I worry about, Lynch, and Scar had mentioned that, is that let's say the, the games are going on and now all of a sudden Enos Cantor, who has said what he has had to say about what's going on in China, says something and then it gets back to Beijing. That can really set up a whole Is that big his style, mess. though? No, that's the problem. And I, I don't know, Lindsay, what happens. Well, it, Venus Cantor, by the way, became a U.S. citizen yes. about 10 days ago and, and added to his name. His name now is Enos Cantor Freedom. Uh, really? That's his, that, that's his legal name. Yep. Um, so Freedom is his last name? 
Freedom is his last name. Enos Cantor Freedom is his official name right now. Wow. And he's a citizen of the United States, of course, born in Turkey. But the word dissent is not a welcome word over in, in China. Thank and you, yes, for it, putting it that way. Yeah, and uh, that's, uh, well, you went first. I had a little time to think about it to come up with a word. So the diplomatic boycott will have a zero effect on the games. The only thing it will do, it will hurt the pride of the host nation. That's basically uh, the, the impact it will have. I'm in favor of athletes going because I think it is a worldwide global platform for them to even attempt and try to speak out against what's going on over there, human rights. And I, I think that Jimmy Carter made a big mistake in 1980 by boycotting the Moscow Olympics mm -hmm. and denying the athletes a chance and, and, and have their voices be heard. Voices will be heard no matter what the Chinese government tries to do. They will be heard. I remember that in 1980, and I, and I have to agree with you, Lynchy. I thought that was a big mistake, not allowing the, the U.S. to compete in the games. And then I, the favor was returned yes, in 1984. In, in 84. And when, when we LA held hosted the games. the games, exactly, and I, I always worry about that. You know, it's the Olympics to me is is the purest of sports. Whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, let sports be sports. But of course it's not. It's never been that yeah. way. The history of the Olympics shows that it's always been political from the beginning. So for any country, host country or um, a country that's sending its athletes to the Olympics to say, let's let's keep this separate from politics, it's disingenuous. Having said that, China's response initially to the U.S. Uh, boycotting the games diplomatically was to say, well, you know what, we never actually issued the invitation to you. We And who said that we were going to? So how can you boycott something that <laughs> we didn't invite you to? Yeah. So there's a lot of semantics involved, obviously, and they're doing it for their domestic audience, uh, much more so than for the international audience. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. We're not talking about an athlete boycott. We're not even talking about an economic boycott, where um, people are not going to go to the games, let's say families of the athletes or uh, any tourists who aren't going to go simply because they don't want to give any business to China. The only effect it's going to have on the broadcast is the cutaway shots of the Secretary of State clap, clapping <laughs> yes. for an American gymnast. That's the only effect it's going to have on the broadcast. When I think about dissent, I go back to 1968. John uh, Carlos and Tommy Smith yeah. with their fists raised, black gloves on the air. It's an image is going to last. It's, a, it's in perpetuity right now, mm -hmm, ingrained. Mm -hmm. and, and it was the right thing to do for those two guys, and, it's, it's, it, it, and that was a perfect platform. They didn't stand up and disgrace anybody. They were kicked off the team and sent home the next day, wrongly, of course. But it's an image that I will never forget the rest of my life. Had the medal stripped, too, at it the did. time. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching that as a kid. And at the time, I, I, I didn't put anything together. I didn't know what was going on. As I got older and I learned about it, I'm thinking, my goodness, that was that, that was pretty heavy. And uh, as China says, uh, the Western nations will pay the price uh, for their diplomatic boycott. Can, can we talk about something happier? Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's move on. Yeah, I want to talk about Shaquille O'Neal's son. Oh yeah, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Nil. That's all I have to say. Uh, he is a six foot ten junior. Uh, he is uh, going to cash in on his name and his likeness. And uh, Scar, this is uh, for Sharif O'Neal. What can you say? It's like I get it. 
Yeah, you get it. He signed a long-term deal with NFT Genius. Of course, it's a non-fungible token company. They're going to launch a new line of NFTs, and apparently these NFTs will tell Sharif's story, but also involve his famous father, the whole O'Neill family, and their shared love of sports family and inspiring others. I mean, that's the PR line on it, but it's um, yet another young athlete and crypto combining in this era of go-go valuations. Well, this uh, Sharif doesn't even have to step foot on the court this year in order to monetize, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, he, fortunately for him, he has a very recognizable, very popular, uh, and very visible still to this day, long after he's retired, dad. And just the name alone is going to attract people to uh, to all these. Uh, Where does he play? He plays at uh, LSU now. Okay. Um, he he was originally at UCLA, right. and right. Uh, he's at LSU now. Yeah. I it, this, by the way, this this with the NFT genius, uh, the cryptocurrency. It's backed by Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and actor Ashton Kutcher. Oh, of course. Well, yeah, you can see that. It, can someone help an old man out? <laughs> I'm still trying to understand NFTs. NILs I get, big time. <laughs> NFT, what, Scar, what is it? I Help me, help me, help me, help me. It's a moment, or it's an image, or it's a video, or it's a GIF, um, and it's on the blockchain, and you can buy it and own it, and if you want to sell it, then you sell it to someone else, and there's only one authentic copy, That's and that's what's put on the blockchain. So, the the copy, which is only one, which is the original... You know, I, I can't see it on YouTube or anything like well, that. Well, that's the thing. You can see a lot of this stuff on YouTube. Um, and obviously, you have TV crews taking pictures of some of the NFTs, which are videos. So you can. And I don't quite understand either why you want the original when you can just get the copy of it as well. I don't. Lynchy, help. Uh, you, I, I don't. I still don't get it. it it's like. Bar's very distressed. I, I am. <laughs> I, I don't. Under, listen, God bless Sharif O'Neill, you the man. I, heck, I am salute you. But I do not get NFTs. Well, sometimes I get whiplash with things going over my head, just looking, where did that go? Why? How come I don't understand that? Uh, this is one here. I don't understand how, how somebody that doesn't have the rights to the, the photograph, the rights to the video, can own the NFT of that same image. That's what confuses me. Oh, okay. It, it, let's say I want to make an NFT of me, Michael Barr, which would mm-hmm. go about thirteen cents. Somewhere no, I'd, I'd give you a quarter. I'd give you a quarter. Well, see now, I, I'm I go loaded. to fifty cents. Oh see, boy, oh, come on, go. <laughs> number of the week. <laughs> I, I okay. So there's my picture. Why would someone? Yeah, I get it. Why would someone want to buy my picture? But I'm saying, why would someone want that one copy of the picture when there are many other copies out there? Because there's only that one copy, and maybe someday it'll be worth a lot. You know what? You're, you're talking to the wrong person because I don't quite understand think, it either. Think baseball cards. Think baseball cards. How, how like it, as time goes by, you know, let's say in the '50s there might have been about 2,000 Mickey Mantle rookie cards, and okay. as time goes by, they get thrown away, they get destroyed, they get lost, and a few years later, you might be the only one that's holding on to it, and so the value as each the value increases over the years. Okay, and, I, and someone could point. sell the picture of you. Yes. It, yes, uh, yes. Okay, I get the, the baseball card analogy, but that's because we started out with 2,000 copies of the baseball card, and through 
you know, not doing your homework, you throw, <laughs> you, it gets thrown out. And, and now we're one, less one Mickey Mantle card. Okay, I get that. But, but there is still only one original, authentic picture of you. All the other ones are screen grabs of you. And mm. those are not worth as much as the original one that's been authenticated that's on the blockchain. I'm sorry. I, I stepped away from the other topics, too, that we were going to talk about. But I, I just Because he's so outraged. That. I am. I don't get what... Okay. Uh, let's talk about NHL valuations, team valuations. Yes, please. Yes, Scar. This is... Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Scar. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Stand yeah. on top of your chair and just, you know, <laughs> scream it, shout it Hockey's out. Hockey's back. That's the story here. Hockey is back. They're now playing a full schedule, 82-game schedule. There's these new media deals. So... Forget the pandemic year of 2020 to 2021. We're now in the, I mean, what everyone would like it to be, a post-pandemic period of 2021 to 2022. And so the average value of NHL franchises have jumped 32% from last year. This is according to Forbes. And as for the top team, anyone want to take a guess? Actually, oh, this should be the number one. <laughs> It's all yours, Scarlett. Drum roll. Yes. The New York Rangers, the Broadway Blues, they claim the top spot for the seventh year in a row, $2 billion. That's been pretty consistent um, in terms of the Rangers being the top top team. And, of course, this is something we'll talk about, not the Rangers per se, but NHL teams and the value of franchises with our guests coming up, Jake Reynolds of the New Jersey Devils, the president, and what they're doing to increase the value of their club. Who's at the bottom, Lindsay? The bottom of the list is the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they're valued at $400 million, but they are up 40% this year. But they've got a little problem because they owe, I believe it's the county or of uh, the Glendale area, they owe about a quarter of a million dollars in back taxes, and or they will be evicted. Now, where are they going to go play? They probably have to go downtown to Phoenix to play if they don't pay. But they say they're going to be they're going to square up and pay the 250000 by the deadline, which is December 20th. But they're valued at $400 million, and then at the top you said you've got um, the Rangers at $2 billion. Every single team increased in value, all 32 teams, in one year. And the teams that have built new arenas, like uh, the Edmonton Oilers, uh, the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders are up 83% in value. Uh, the, uh, the Oilers are up 100% in value. And keep your eye on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because yes. by the yeah. end of this month, the Fenway Sports Group is going to officially buy them for around $900 million. And you watch the value of that, that franchise go up because they are going to, the Fenway Sports Group uh, is going to develop 28 acres across the street from the Pittsburgh, from the, uh, Pittsburgh Paints Arena where they play their home games. And that is going to in exponentially increase the value of the Penguins. Watch a year from now the value from $900 million. I bet that almost comes close to doubling a year from now when we have this conversation. Are NHL clubs just real estate with a hockey team kind of attached to it? No, a lot of them, like the venues have become uh, destinations, like the Islanders. I mean, people go there because they want to experience the new arena. Same thing happened uh, in Vancouver. And they have a new television deal now with, with ESPN. We're mm -hmm. going to talk to Jake a little bit about this. And um, it's, it, last year, they were, the, the, the entire league got roughly $300 million from NBC. Starting this year and for the next seven years, that's going to more than double to $625 million per year going to the NHL. So each team takes a little piece of that, and that increases. That's, that adds to the value of the franchise. By the way, after the New York Rangers, the next um – most valuable team, Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens, Chicago Blackhawks, Boston Bruins. So you're talking about the top, yeah. at least five of the top six teams in there. The original six. Yeah. Yep. You know you know what's funny about it is that I was Sorry, thinking of Sorry, Bar, a... your Detroit Red Wings is number nine. 
Just oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we, I was thinking of using that as a number of the week, and the thought didn't even get complete out of my head when Scar, because we, you know, we talk about, you know, we sent notes to each other, what we're going to talk about. So, and Scar just sent the note. It's like, hey, valuation. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's out the window. So I got another number of the week. Don't you you have another trick up your sleeve. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Okay, let's get to our guest. Joining us now is New Jersey Devils president, Jake Reynolds. Jake, thank you so much. I can call you Jake because I feel like, you know, we, we've we known each other for the past five minutes before we went on. We go way back. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on and looking forward to having some fun and, and talking the sports business today. Well, that, that's the first thing, and, and it's something you said off mic, and I, and I want to bring it on. You said, you know, you will never complain about – being too busy ever again after what happened last year. And and I get it. Uh, you know, COVID just destroyed everything. Can you take us more into your thought process? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the last 20 months have, have been so challenging for, for all businesses uh, across the country. And, you know, obviously sports and entertainment was, was dramatically impacted by COVID. And, you know, as you look back and understand what we went through, and then you fast forward to where we are now. You know, I think we at the Prudential Center, we're on a run right now. I have, I think, 13 straight days of different events. So it's always nice to have a little perspective, even when you're in the thick of it. And, you know, I feel like I am living at the arena. I, I promised myself a, a year ago or so that I would never complain about being too busy, having to work. Uh, because when you look around, it's like buildings are open, games are happening, fans are back, the energy is there. Like it. It is so nice to be back and to be able to have fans back in the building. So uh, despite the chaotic schedule, this is the fun part, and this is why we do what we do. So uh, looking forward to you know a few uh, fun years ahead and, and a good run as, as the sports business uh, gets ready to ramp back up. Yeah, especially because last year was a truncated season. Everyone was trying to deal with COVID protocol. This year we're back to a regular full schedule. And speaking of being busy, the Devils just recently uh, – 
inked a contract with their number one draft pick from 2019, an eight-year, $64 million deal with Jack Hughes. He was the Again, overall number one draft pick. I know because I'm a Rangers fan and the Rangers got the number two draft pick, Capo Caco. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit about the significance of an eight-year contract. I mean, there were some concerns that perhaps he was not fulfilling his potential in the first season. Um, and I get that he didn't really have a chance to, to showcase his skills in that first season. But what did you see that led the organization to say, you know, we're committed to this young man for the next eight years? Yeah, Scarlett, I will tell you, first of all, uh, I don't hold it against you for being a big fan of the <laughs> River. And, and we will gladly, gladly welcome you over to the black and red. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, obviously, you know, Jack Hughes being able to to lock him up for the next eight years is is an incredible opportunity, an incredible moment for this organization, this franchise. You mentioned a, a number one overall draft pick. This kid is just oozing with talent and star power. And so, you know, for for us to be able to kind of secure our you know our centerman uh, up the middle, you know, with Nico Heischer, who was also a, a former number one draft pick, we signed him to a seven year deal. You sign Jack Hughes to an eight-year deal, and then you start putting some of these pieces around. Um, you know, Tom Fitzgerald, our, our general manager, who uh, is the best in the business, and, and as we have been building this team, our philosophy has been looking at the long-term horizon and making sure that we have the long lens of how do we build this team so that we can sustainably compete for a Stanley Cup for the next 10-plus years. And, you know, we, we have a saying, like, there are no shortcuts to the top, only to the middle. So we, we wanted to be incredibly disciplined with how we were building this team, and, and Fitzy and his team have done an unbelievable job. And when you have the opportunity to, to be able to sign a, a superstar and someone who is going to be a superstar in this league for a very long time, like Jack Hughes, uh, it's an incredible moment for, for this organization. And, you know, obviously he, he started the season off about as hot as you possibly could Unfortunately, went down with an injury, but he is now back on the ice, which is pretty incredible. But uh, if you watch that that first game on October 15th against the Blackhawks, you know had a goal and he scores an overtime goal. Maybe I'm I'm a little biased here, but might be the best celebration I have seen in hockey <laughs> with a stick toss. Just over a little biased, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little biased, but. Uh, a pretty special moment and just a small glimpse of, of what you're going to see over the course of the next eight years. So, you know, the obviously the you know, in hockey, being able to sign players to a longer term deal compared to the NBA, which obviously has a cap there. It's just an incredible opportunity to be able to solidify your franchise and to be able to build around the right pieces. And we have that core and, and we talk a lot about kind of our our young core four and Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Ty Smith, and Mackenzie Blackwood. You know, we are the youngest team in the NHL, um, but we have a tremendous amount of talent. And then this past year, the key was focusing on, okay, how do we bring the right pieces around them um, to continue to develop them, to have a veteran presence, and to be able to continue to provide leadership and show these young players how to win at this next level. And so you see us be able to go in and bring in the top free agent in terms of Dougie Hamilton or Tomas Tatar or Jonathan Bernier, it, it's a, an incredible time to, to be a Devils fan. And, and if you walk down onto our sales floor, that is a phrase you are almost guaranteed to hear. So, Scarlett, 
it's an incredible time to be a Devils fan. <laughs> now, that's a sales pitch if I ever heard one. <laughs> and I'm Mike Lynch up in Boston. I may just uh, ditch my black and gold Bruins jersey and head on down to the, to the black and red. Uh, Jake, the, what's the thinking in long-term contracts? And, and a lot of other sports, a lot of, a lot of uh, management wouldn't go beyond three, four years. But is, is it indigenous to hockey or indigenous to your organization? You know, you, you look at it and you look at the NBA there, you know, there were some adjustments to, to contracts to try and keep, you know, young star players in their markets and give them a chance to develop and, and to be able to grow. And for hockey, I think that's, that's one of the unique things is, you know, you have these players and, and we're really fortunate that, you know, our organization does things the right way. Uh, we have, you know, two managing partners and David Blitzer and Josh Harris who, who are committed to, putting the resources in place to make sure that we are building this the right way. Uh, we are you know, competing for a Stanley Cup year in and year out, and that's the commitment that we made to, to these players. And so to be able to see someone like a Jack Hughes or a Nico Heischer want to be here for that long, or a Dougie Hamilton, who, who obviously signed here for seven years as well, to choose and to want to be in New Jersey for that long – it's it's special for obviously the market it's special for the organization and it's special for the fan base because they know what who we're building around and they know the direction that we're we're headed and obviously you know this fan base is so emotionally invested in what we're doing how we're doing it and where we're headed to be able to say that that we have this core in place for the next seven, eight years is pretty special, and it gives us an opportunity to really build around these guys and and to build a a platform for them. This may sound like a silly question, but is there such a thing as a business model for an NHL team, and if so, what is it? Yeah, I I will tell you, the the core of this business is, as you can imagine, it's, it's built around kind of the season ticket base and, you know, obviously being able to fill the arena every game. We're focused on, obviously, partnerships and, and making sure that we are aligning with the right brands. And then, obviously, you know, you have the premium aspects. You have your regional TV networks deals. You know, you, you talk about just the platforms that sports teams have. And it is pretty incredible just in terms of the reach, the power. But that also translates into kind of the cities where we live, work, and play. And, and the opportunity that we have to, to be able to drive meaningful change in the community and to be able to give back. So, you know, the, in terms of the, the playbook for, for a sports team, you know, there's just so many opportunities to drive impact, to drive change, both on the business side and on the community side. So that is an area where, where we're heavily focused and, you know, continuing to, to drive our business from that front. So talk a little bit more about your engagement with the local community, because one thing that I was impressed by when I went to go see a Devils game in New Jersey is the extent of the small businesses that were represented, that were given shout outs that you see just um, represented around the rink, around the arena. Um, You contrast that with, say, MSG, which is builds itself as the world's most famous arena. But the corporate sponsorships there are national brands. Chase, for instance, um, as opposed to local businesses. And that struck me that you are building a connection with your fan base in a way that you don't, that MSG, for instance, may not because New York is so big that you're looking at a national, international market all the time. Yeah, it's, it's a great question, Charlotte. Charlotte. And, you know, I will tell you, um, for, for us, I think the, the focus is finding that right balance. And obviously being able to have the national brands is, is incredibly powerful. It's impactful. 
Um, but for us, also making sure that we have those local community tie-ins is, is incredibly valuable and incredibly important to how we are building this business. You know, we are proud to be the only team that has New Jersey in its name. And, you know, there are other teams that oh, play here. Point. There are other teams that practice here. But we are the only professional sports team that has New Jersey in our name. So we take a tremendous amount of pride in that. We, we look at this as an opportunity and also an obligation for, for us to be able to give back to some of the local businesses and to make sure that we represent this state at the highest level. So, so Jake, following up on that, um, many clubs could have uh, just passed on last year with all the money they lost during COVID. What was your retention rate for sponsors and season tickets as well? You know, and I I give our business team a tremendous amount of credit because, you know, there were a couple key pieces to to being able to continue to find success despite some of the challenges from last season. And when you look at our partnerships business, there were kind of, you know, three key things I would say. You know, one is just the strong relationships that, that they had with our partners. And that was on full display is is we were able to retain all of our partners and then work with them to find creative platforms and creative solutions to still be able to drive awareness. And even though we weren't, you know, we didn't have fans in the building, we were still able to activate their partnerships um, throughout kind of our digital platforms, throughout our broadcast, then also coming up and finding creative integrations to, to be able to kind of have new platforms and showcase their businesses. And then the last piece is, you know, we had made some some significant investments in the digital space about three years ago, which positioned us and set us up for a, a very successful run kind of throughout COVID, where you, know, you did not necessarily have the eyeballs in arena, um, you know, kind of within the venue, how we activated those outside and on our digital platforms and through social and through integrated content was something that put us in an incredible position. And I give our partners a, a tremendous amount of credit for, for branching out, for trying new things, and mm. for looking for new opportunities to be able to kind of go out and expand their reach, maybe beyond just what the, the traditional assets of their partnerships had. want to bring something up. Uh, you unveiled the first ever alternate black jersey, and it has an historic jersey theme. Uh, can you tell us more about that? Yes, this was an incredible moment for for our organization. Obviously, next year we will be celebrating the 40th anniversary of New Jersey Devils hockey in New Jersey. And as a part of that, we've never had a third jersey. And so our fans have been clamoring for this for a number of years. And so uh, we have been methodically kind of going through this process of of what this was going to look look like, why we were going to do this, when the proper time to roll this out was going to be. As I mentioned before, this has kind of been a a perfect storm and a jumping off point for our organization as we look forward to the next 10, 12 years. And so for us, we wanted to come up with something that was was unique, that was thoughtful, and that was meaningful. And so this third jersey, I will tell you, is something that goes back and connects to the roots of hockey in New Jersey. The striping that you will see on this is reminiscent and pays homage to the first ever professional hockey team in Mm. New Jersey, which was the Newark Bulldogs from back in the day. Um, And then there are a number of other kind of key elements that are reflected through this. There are 21 stripes total on the jersey that that represent the 21 counties in New Jersey. Uh, There are five stripes on the right shoulder, which represent the you know, the five retired jerseys that we have. And then one of the most unique elements of this was this was actually designed by the GOAT. 
So it's not too often that you can have something that you can say was designed by the GOAT. So Marty Brodeur, the greatest goalie of, of all time, was heavily invested huh. in this process and helping design this jersey. And so there are laces at the neck that are reflective of a goalie net which is obviously a, a nod and a testament to, to Marty. Um, it says Jersey across the chest. As we talked about before, Like we are proud to be the only professional sports team that represents New Jersey. And if you're from here, you know you call it Jersey. And that was one of the first <laughs> things that, that Marty talked about was when, when he was drafted by the New Jersey Devils, everyone just kept telling him, you're going to Jersey. You're going to Jersey. And he didn't quite understand what that meant until he actually got here. And so we were looking at a, a number of, of different options for this. And, That's and a great he anecdote. was adamant that this had to say Jersey across the front of it. So, uh, But this is you know something for us where we're staying true to kind of the roots and the legacy of hockey while also taking a, a very bold step toward the future as we enter a new era of Devils hockey. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Jay, can you explain the relationship between the New Jersey Devils Hockey Club and Prudential Financial? I know you play in the Prudential Arena, but uh, they are also playing a role here in providing um, services like consultation and financial advice to businesses that you will be featuring on Player Helmets. They are, and and Prudential has been an incredible partner of ours for quite some time. Obviously, their name is on the building, um, the Prudential Center. Uh, They are a mainstay here in Newark and you know, the alignment and the commitment that they have to this city as well from a value standpoint uh, aligns so much with, with kind of how we see the world. And I think it's one of the things that makes an incredible partnership is, is making sure that, you know, the understanding, the values and the desired outcomes are very much aligned. And as we were going through, obviously, the, the pandemic, we had, had started what we called our Buy Black program, which was an opportunity for us to be able to drive kind of awareness and increased exposure to black-owned businesses. And this was an important initiative for, for our organization. We talked a little bit earlier about just the power and the platform that sports has and our opportunity and obligation to be able to use that platform to drive meaningful change. 
And we're fortunate that Prudential uh, has very similar values. They view the world through a very similar lens and want to drive that same change. And so as we were talking about how can we go out and make a difference, this Buy Black program was something that was incredibly important to us. So we had two local Black-owned businesses last year that we were able to onboard and bring into our organization and give them the assets, the expertise, and the exposure that all of our other partners receive. So we had Newark Paper Company and Flo's Tasty Treats, um, which were were two local Newark-based businesses that we were able to, to onboard and give them the same amount of assets that a Prudential would have or an RWJ or a BMW, some of our other partners. And so to be able to see that impact on their business was something that we were incredibly proud of. And then, you know, Prudential, just being who they are and, and having the, the level of engagement that they do, they wanted to be able to take that to the next level. And so they stepped up in a, in a major way this past year um, and took on the sponsorship of the Buy Black program. And so we have a, a unique um, asset and a unique piece of inventory that came online during the pandemic, which was our helmet decals. And so for the first time last year, the NHL League office, who I give a tremendous amount of credit to you know, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly for, for helping teams be able to find new creative assets during the pandemic to you know, mitigate some of the revenue losses mm. that we may have been seeing otherwise. This was an incredible platform, uh, the first of its kind, obviously. So to be able to bring a partner and have them fully integrated to, to our uniforms and so as we were talking about this Buy Black program and how we can take it to the next level, um, you know, Prudential had the idea of what if we took a, a local Black-owned business and we were able to donate our helmet placement to one of these Black-owned businesses to, to be able to drive awareness. So we had originally rolled this out and, you know, we were going through and there were going to be 13 select games that one of these local businesses was going to be able to, to have placement on our helmets. And so we went out with that release about a month ago and it was such an incredible response that Prudential came back and said, hey, I think there is an opportunity to drive even more awareness and to be able to take this up a level. And so they made the commitment to go from 13 games to 30 games. So, you know, we, we went through the, the process of, you know, the application process of local businesses being able to apply for this. Uh, we selected a company that is going to be displayed. Uh, the company is Razu. It's an incredible, incredible business that we are, are excited about being able to partner with. But they are, it's a networking and collaboration service for music creators. So they are based out of New Jersey. Uh, it is a, a Black-owned business. Think of it as like a mix between LinkedIn and Dropbox, uh, specifically geared for, for music creators. Mm -hmm. So it's an incredible service um, to, that is national. So one of the things that we loved about this business is the opportunity to scale this. So where they will be on our helmets for 30 away games, they'll be in different markets. The fact that Razu is a, a global company and it's an opportunity to be able to just kind of expand their brand and to be able to scale the reach and impact that this can have on their business. Also, you have, um, speaking of diversity, Megan Dugan is in your front office now, um, the first, uh, to everyone's knowledge, the first openly gay person to work in the front office of a National Hockey League team. Um, heck of a player, heck of a career. She just retired about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I, I would tell you, you talk about the accolades, and, and those are obviously incredibly impressive. 
more than anything, it's just like she's an incredible person. And so to be able to add that type of person to our organization that fits in and aligns with, with our culture um, was a, a critical piece. But then you start talking about just the, the knowledge and she's one of the most decorated hockey players in the world. So to be able to bring someone like Megan into this organization with her expertise, her perspective, and to be able to have that impact on both our front office, but then the opportunity with our player development group was something we we're incredibly excited about being able to do, incredibly proud to, to be able to call her a, a New Jersey Devil. And then you start to, to kind of look at the landscape and just the impact that, that women are having on the sport. You know, you talk about Megan. Um, you look at, at our front office. We have a woman named Kate Madigan who is in our hockey ops department who is going to be a future general manager in, in the NHL one day. Mm. And then you look at uh, a woman, Kate Whitman-Annis, who was the former general manager of the Riveters, the women's hockey team here in New Jersey. Um, we just brought her on. She is now the executive director of, of our foundation. So you start to look at the impact that, that this can have and, and the importance of, of bringing in diversity. It, it's something that we have been fully committed to and to be able to, to obviously take action and execute that. But more importantly, just to be able to bring incredibly talented people within this organization that have walked in and have had an, imme an immediate impact uh, has been something that has benefited this organization and we're incredibly proud of. Yeah, and there's also Haley Wickenheiser, uh, who, of course, is one of the top players in women's hockey, joining uh, the Maple Leafs back in 2018 as well. So you, you have a lot of prominent female hockey players now in the front offices of these NHL clubs. Is Megan going to be working with the players on the ice? She is. So she, she is in there. She's working with our hockey operations crew. Yeah, I, I remember when first chance I had to, to meet Meg, I was just blown away by her presence, her knowledge, you know, and talking with, with Tom Fitzgerald, our general manager, you know, he was blown away by the type of impact that she was going to be able to, to walk in and have on our hockey operations group, just to be able to have someone that has played the game at the absolute highest levels. You talk about professionally, you talk about being in the Olympics, to be able to bring that perspective, that knowledge, and that skill set within the organization. Uh, it's been fun to see the impact that, that she's already been able to have. One of the things that's important uh, is the merchandise that the Devils sell. The merch. The merch. Yeah, <laughs> the merch. And it, it's it's a new day. It's a modern era. It's, you know, it's, it's way more than just well, I got to go down to the arena and get merchandise. Uh, you guys have modernized it, and I want to buy some presents myself. Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely. So, coming off of, of obviously our, our third jersey launch, one of the elements that was important to us was was how do we bring that to life outside of just the jersey? So, you know, being able to have a customized merchandise line that you know had that monochromatic look was was something we were excited to to be able to bring to our fan base and so as you look obviously leading into the holidays bar will get you set and and i promise you'll have a nice present <laughs> under the tree. uh but it, it was important for us to, to bring a new element you know obviously red has been the traditional devil's color since they they got to new jersey in in 1982 so to be able to bring to light obviously this black jersey but also the merchandise line that comes along with it um was was something we were really excited about and then even beyond that for us you know we we had a little bit of fun about new jersey having new jerseys that say jersey on them so there, there was certainly some some fun in terms of you know, what we were able to do with some merchandise lines. So uh, a friend of ours, Greg Wyshynski at ESPN, had, had sent a note of, 
hey, I want a hat that says hat. And so we, you know, we created a, you know, a, a mock-up of what a hat would look like. And the response was so fantastic on social. We said, okay, we, we have to produce these. And so we went out and we produced, initially it was 500 hats that said hat in the same script with the red drop shadow that our jersey had. And, and the proceeds of this were all going to the Devil's Youth Foundation. And within 20, 20 minutes, all 500 hats sold out. So then we went for another run and produced a, another 1,000 hats. And within 30 minutes, those sold out immediately. Uh, so I give our, our marketing and brand team a, a tremendous amount of credit, too, just in terms of, of being able to have some fun with this, being nimble and being able to pivot on the fly. But to be able to, to, be able to create something like that, uh, and obviously have it go to, to support an incredible cause like the Devil's Youth Foundation was was a pretty amazing opportunity and fun to, to kind of watch that all come to fruition. Okay, Barr is already doing a Google search right now for a hat <laughs> online <laughs> because he, he, needs to, he needs to get on the waiting list. Uh, you had mentioned the Olympics, and I'm just curious. I mean, we know that Nico is probably the most obvious candidate uh, to be competing in the 2022 Olympics. Uh, the NHL did not let its players attend the last Winter Olympics, so we're going back to what has been done in the past. There will be a disruption in this season. What were your thoughts when you saw that there was going to be a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics by the U.S. and potentially other governments because of human rights abuses and other areas of concern in China? And how you might prepare if there ends up being some kind of athlete boycott as well? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation as, as we look across the board. Obviously, you had the boycott news come out this week. Um, and, and you look at just the opportunity that this moment provides for, for so many of these athletes. And you, know, you talk about you know, a young athlete coming up, especially in, in the hockey world. I think everyone's goal is like, yeah, I would love to play. I want to win a Stanley Cup, and I want to win a gold medal, and I want to play in the Olympics. And it's just this incredible platform where you have the opportunity to be able to represent your country. And there's a tremendous amount yeah, of pride that. in that. And when you, when you talk about you know, hockey and just the global game that, that this is and the reach that it has, like, there are so many players who want to be able to represent their country. Mm-hmm. And so you know, being able to play in the Olympics was, was something that was incredibly important to them. And, and as the NHL was going through this process and having conversations with the Players Association, you know, the players made it very clear that this was, was something that they took a tremendous amount of pride in, and they wanted to be able to represent their countries in the Olympics. And as the sport is continuing to grow and, you know, the reach and, you know, talk about the ESPN deal and the Turner deal, you know, and the global nature of hockey, it's such an incredible platform for obviously the game, but for these players as well to be able to, to kind of represent their countries and take the pride in that. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how this continues to to unfold you know i know we have a, a number of players that on on our team that are, are planning on participating and and representing their countries and and the pride they take in that is is going to be really fun to watch but it's also a really challenging time as you know as you talk about just the the political nature of this and and how countries are continuing to evolve and manage and handle this it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how it all unfolds Jake, before we let you go, a uh, big television package uh, last spring with ESPN and Turner Sports. Tell me what uh, type of infusion it has for revenue, exposure, marketing, and growth. Yes. I mean, it's as you well know, I mean, like ESPN has such an incredible platform and such an incredible reach. And I tell people all the time, it's like ESPN can make stars. 
And I can't think of a better example uh, of that than, you know, our very first game this year, you know, when, when Jack Hughes, obviously, you know, Scarlett, we were talking earlier about the, you know, the star power of, of that game, Jack Hughes with the stick toss. I don't know that I've ever received more text messages or emails from friends and family than I did that night. Hmm. And, and I talk about just the power and the reach of, of the ESPN effect. And, and that is one of those elements where he was on every Sports Center highlight, every top 10, and that put him on the map as an emerging star. And, and like that is the power of ESPN. And so I think the, the opportunity that you know, hockey has and where it is at in its growth stage to be able to to bring that within the ESPN and the Turner families is just going to accelerate this. And it's going to be able to draw in the casual fan that may not have, you know, watched hockey every night or may not turn on a hockey game. But this is going to drive that interest to, okay, watch a game. And then all of a sudden they're coming out to a game. Then they're buying a, a parcel. And then next thing you know, they're season ticket holders. So I think the the impact of this, obviously financially, it was um, you know a, a very lucrative deal and a great opportunity. But more importantly than that, it's just the power and the reach that that it has for the sport of hockey and for the players and and the star power that this is going to be able to continue to drive. Jake Reynolds, the president of the New Jersey Devils. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. I hope you had a good time with us. It was fantastic. Michael, Mike, Scarlett, really appreciate it. It was great to spend some time, and we look forward to hopefully seeing you at a Devils game soon. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Thanks, Jake. That was Jake Reynolds, New Jersey Devils president. What a neat find and what a neat get for our show. He had a lot to talk about, Scarlett, including a lot about Prudential. Yeah, um, I, I love how the club is so tied in to the state of New Jersey and the identity, and it identifies with so many businesses that are based in New Jersey. Again, I go back to the idea that if you go see a Devils game in the Prudential Center, you'll see all these local businesses represented. Their their uh, company names are emblazoned everywhere around the arena. It really shows how deeply connected the team is to the local community, the local businesses. And I just point this out in contrast to my favorite team, the New York Rangers, who play at Madison Square Garden. Again, love the team, but the brands that 
the Rangers are associated with are national brands. It's just a different level, and it doesn't feel as intimate. The New York Rangers are very much tied in with the NYPD, the NYFD, but you're not talking about the kind of contact with local businesses that perhaps the Devils or the Islanders or some of these other clubs have managed to strike. Lindsay, Mr. Boston, which Mm. scared me because he had you convince Mr. Reynolds, you know what? I might trade in the uh, <laughs> golden black uniforms, and maybe, just maybe, you might uh, be sniffing the New Jersey Devils. <laughs> well, I think one thing, I, I never thought about this. He brought up a good point. We're the only team with New Jersey in our name that plays in New Jersey. Yeah. Now, the the Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey, but they are the New York Jets and the New York Giants. The New Jersey Nets used to play there, but now they play in Brooklyn. And Donald Trump once owned the USFL's New Jersey Generals. Was it called the New Jersey Generals back then? It It was was called, yep, New Jersey Generals. Uh, So now the the Devils are the only team with New Jersey in their name. And um, as we heard from from Jake, uh, that the they have a third jersey. Um, oh, I they, love they, that! They just debuted, but <laughs> de- de- designed by the great goaltender Martin Brodeur, and it just says Jersey across the top. <laughs> and he, and- I love that story he told when he came here. Where are you? I'm in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever says New Jersey. And, of course, they have extended that idea to the baseball hats, right? And it just says hat on it. And I know Barr is really into that one. He, he's been looking online. Oh, but that, it sold out. I know, but that's just one of the greatest ideas. That just tickled me when he told me that story. I, I just I thought that was really neat. It's, we need to, like, you know, next time we get a new pair of shoes, just put shoe on it. Yeah. And it'll be good. <laughs> uh, there was one thing that he did say, and I, I was really impressed about how they're trying to uh, help minority-owned businesses mm-hmm. and the way they're doing it with the, the logo on the helmets and, and things like that. Uh, that was really neat, the way they're doing it. And I don't think uh, any NHL team out there is doing something like that, at least not for now anyway. Yeah, I haven't seen that, especially on helmets. But we do know that there's going to be more pointed advertising on um, the gear, jerseys and, and whatnot. So you know, this, this might kind of set the template. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. All right, all right, all right. Time for Lynch to win. (laughs) (laughs) It is time for the number of the week. And uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming Super Bowl. Ooh. And uh, it's going to be on NBC this year. And, of course, 30-second ads, it's going to cost a pretty penny. How much is NBC asking for for a 30-second ad in the Super Bowl? And I'll let anyone who wants to go first go first. This is good radio, folks. This is thinking music <laughs> right here. Drama. <laughs> Lynch, because you you know what, Lynch, yeah, you go first because you always go last, and then it's like, oh, I'll pull a number out my uh, bottom, uh, let's say uh, pi. That's it. <laughs> so uh, I'll go five point five million for thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go five million. Oh, Scarlett, I thought you were going to go higher. I, I did. I thought I was going oh. to, too, but... 
5.5 million is what CBS asked for. What? On the dot? Last time. No, this one for NBC, they're asking for 6.5 million for a 30 second ad. That's why I thought you were going to go higher, which we get you on stage. Are you are you, are you rooting for somebody in this contest? Uh, no, <laughs> not at all, Mister. I win every blasted thing on the show. <laughs> no, <laughs> he just wants to see it mixed up a little bit. Where's my refrigerator and my new range? Has uh, not, none of them have arrived at the house yet, by the way. Remember those from Speed Queen? Man, they used to have those things on there. I have never seen, even when they were on the prices, I've never seen Speed Queen. Anything when I used to go to the appliance store. Nothing. I saw Maytag. I saw all the other stuff. No Didn't Speed see Queen. Speed Queen. You know what? I should. That, my lesson here, the lesson that I've been, I've been taught here is that because of inflation, you should always just go up no matter what. Like whatever first number anyone throws out, the next number should just be higher because we have this persistent that's, that's inflation. That's I thought you were going. I'm like, oh, she's got this. She got it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Moment of it. weakness. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> By the way, I, and I brought that up, just what you just said, Scarlett, just to show people that, uh, you know, football's back, a lot of the sports are back, and the, the TV execs are saying, you know what, we got one product We've put that behind us now with uh, COVID, and mm-hmm. we're going to ask for some money here. So, by, by the way, the cost of a thirty-second spot in the first Super Bowl in nineteen sixty-seven. Let's see if any one of you two can get it. Oh, we got a bonus one. <laughs> well, let's see here. You should throw out a guess, Bar. You want me to throw out a guess? Yeah. The first Super Bowl ad. Thirty seconds. I'm going to say ten thousand dollars. Scarlet? I'm going to say, here, I'm going to underestimate, um, $8,000. Michael Barr, come on down. Oh. Woo! $40,000. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> and two networks were going at the time for that one. <laughs> what was the story about the, which network? One, one network came back, but the other network was still in commercial coming back out of a break, and they were going to go for the kickoff. And then all of a sudden, it's like there's a story, I don't know, like one of the execs for the TV execs pretended to be drunk and run out on the field and stop. The, what What was the story, Lynch, no, about they, that? They, they ran the kickoff, but one of the networks, either CBS or NBC, was in commercial break. Right. So they got on the phone to the commissioner, and, and they re-kicked. They, they, they kicked it again. <laughs> I just rec- I, I just started a new book last night. You were looking live. The, the story of the NFL today with Brent Musburger and Irv Cross and Phyllis George and Jimmy the Greek Snyder. And that was one of the stories that I just – so that's why it's fresh in my mind from last night. Wait, wow. Bart, what you, what you were describing is that there are two networks airing the Super Bowl at the yeah. same time? Yeah, NBC yeah. and CBS yeah. were airing it at the same time. Yeah. And you just went with whatever channel you preferred. Whichever one, if you like the Peacock or if you like the Eye, mm-hmm. either one was there. I think ABC, they were airing, uh, you know, old uh, Jimmy Durante shows. I don't know what was (laughs) going on. Uh, Anyway, this has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Mike Lynch at Lynchy WCPB. And I'm Scarlett Foo on Twitter at Scarlett Foo. Hey, I won. Number of the week, part <laughs> two. Uh, thanks for joining us. 
okay, Bob, I'm ready for Plinko. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money. And I'm not talking about that little tiny money. I'm talking about big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio, around the world. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.